Hello, this is Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, and you're listening to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast, a collaboration between Wired to Hunt and Drury Outdoors, in which I, my co-host Matt Drury, and a special guest answer your very own hunting questions. And today, we're joined by longtime whitetail hunter and TV host Larry Woodward, and we're answering a listener question about hunting a new property that's used frequently by non-hunters. The ways of thinking about this issue and dealing with it are many, so stick around and enjoy. All right, welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt. With me is Matt Drury of Drury Outdoors, and again with us is our special guest, Larry Woodward. How you guys doing? We're doing good. I got the man, the myth, and the legend right here in the studio, and I uh, feel pretty lucky today. Well, and I am 100% wild, I'll guarantee (laughs) That's, I guarantee you that. That joke never gets old. <laughs> so, you know, we've known each other a long time. Just a, a quick introduction. Larry has been in the outdoor industry 21 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two television, television. shows. Yeah. and On television. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the shows and where they are at? Uh, outdoors in the Heartland. You can see every week on Fox Sports Midwest at 830. Been there 21 yeah. years. And we're also been on the Outdoor Channel for since... The Outdoor Channel was the Outdoor Channel, yeah. you know, when you can only get it on one of them big, uh, what do you call it, a satellite dish? Yeah, those big Arkansas dishes. Arkansas State Flower. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. No offense to you guys in Arkansas. It's, just, <laughs> it's a joke. But anyway, you know, they was just, you could only get it. Yeah. Way wet back when it started, yeah. you, you had to go to somebody's house and turn that thing. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 look, look at it. Look at it. On there, you know. And, <laughs> but, yeah, we've been in the business 21 years in TV and done radio for years before that in the St. Louis market and and guided and uh, did speaking engagements and things. Just kind of like Mark and Terry yep. started out, you know, and just gradually worked up the ladder, man. Just I want to thank God that I've had the life that I've had and, and done what I've done for so long and hope I can get another 21 out of it. We're, we're all very lucky to be able to make a living in the outdoor industry. So. If I could get Jenny Craig in like a big old folks home place to be a sponsor, <laughs> Joe Guy's Hunt, yeah, you know, you'd be I maybe we can keep her going for a while. <laughs> we could set that up. Huh? Yeah, yeah, Geritol Hour. There you go. <laughs> It'd be a great sponsor. As the, I think Mark and Terry are in the same boat. Yeah, <laughs> Geritol, Insure, Viagra. You know, we, we had this guy here. We've had so many fun times out. We've had a lot, uh, some of the same sponsors throughout the year. So when we go to the ATA show and the SHOT show, there's a lot of times throughout the years where we have dinner engagements together where yeah. there might be 10, 15, 20 people in a, you know, in a, in a little private room that we're all having dinner. And by the end of the night, I can promise you every time, we're going to be all huddled up, hurtled around this guy right here. He's going to be telling some funny story about a trip he had to Africa or somewhere in the mountains or some bear coming to touch his leg or maybe it was at a Hooters restaurant. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's story after story yeah. after story with this you guy. You can tell him the Hooters when it is. It's all right. And one time we <laughs> ATA show and we were at a um, – uh, dueling piano hours. place. Yeah, yeah du- dueling piano place. It was after hours. The shows had closed. And, you know, a lot of industry people all gather around. We all know each other. We're all friends. And Larry comes out and he's got a Hooters. Uh, extra small. <laughs> extra small top on. It was classic. Man. I mean, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. He's the life of the party every and time. Every time I see Cameron Haynes somewhere, he's like, hey, man, man I remember, I remember you in that Hooters shirt down there on the stage down there. In, I think it was 
Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. Indy. Oh, yeah. well, like I said, I'm wild. So. Man, that's what we love about it. Life's just uh, have fun and laugh is my motto. So I love it. We always come out of those dinners, uh, faces hurting from laughing so much. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I think you got a question of the day for us, right? We do, and I think, Larry, you're a good guy to talk about this one because I think you're just as dear crazy as me and Matt. So, Matt, do you want to kick off that question of the day and then we'll try to tackle it? This is Jonathan Ingram from Cincinnati, Ohio. I just got permission to hunt a long and fairly narrow 140-acre parcel in Kentucky. The parcel is hourglass-shaped with steep ridges on either side, leading to between 100 and 200 yards of mature hardwoods with unplanted meadow in the middle of the hourglass shape. Just at the hourglass pinch point is a cabin with about 60 timbered yards on either side before the ridges start to steeply climb. So the cabin is right smack in the middle of the major deer thoroughfare pinch point, connecting a few promising saddles. The landowner and his family are not hunters. They use the property as a camping and fishing property, and they have zero interest in adjusting their use to create optimal fall hunting conditions, which I understand. The problem is, it is the fall when they really start visiting the cabin frequently, once the weather starts to cool down. My question is, can I expect this type of recreational activity to pressure deer the same way that direct hunting pressure might? The property has never been hunted, at least legally, and I am hopeful that the deer in the area view the place as a sanctuary, but I don't want to burn too much time there if all those fall cabin beer bashes will blow out any chance at a good buck. Thanks so much for the podcast. I'm fairly new to bow hunting and am lapping up the content you're putting out there. Keep it up. I love this question. Yeah. I love this. This is probably most realistic to what the majority of people are dealing with, right? A lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. And a lot of guys I talk to are hunting on smaller than 140 acres. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing I would tell him, I'd put a salt lick just outside the cabin and start pouring beer on it. <laughs> so it becomes a normal smell around there. And I, I love that he named it the, the annual beer batch. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he's got a variety of problems there. First thing I'd do is say, hey, man, if you can find somewhere else to hunt, that'd probably be the first thing I'd do just looking at that. But I'm just joking. But we'll try and tell you what we do there. You know, uh, not seeing a map of that. It sounds like where he's talking about where the pinch point is, and there's, I bet there's a little valley. It's coming off those mm-hmm. steep hills, and that's a natural place for the animals coming over those ridges and stuff to come through there, which could be great. The pinch point's the positive part of this whole thing. When I was listening to that, I thought, okay, here's the positive, glass half full type story here. And irregular shape within a field is usually a place that animals will gravitate yeah. to. And the problem is, is a cabin sitting right there. Yeah. Yeah, But it could be a problem, maybe not, just depending on when and how much pressure they're putting there. Now, if they use that enough, as we all know, you can be around in, in urban areas where deer live in people's yards and yeah. things. If the people are there enough and they're not running around up in the woods, them deer could lay right there and watch some people come down there and yeah. do their thing. Yeah. It's when them people step away from there and go up in there. I, I'd almost bet they, a little metal right there, if it's in the part of the Kentucky that's so heavily deforested, those little meadows and things are hard to find. Yeah. That there could be a lot of deer coming to feed them. They probably see them. It's probably one of the reasons he's wanting to hunt there. You know, depending on what time of the year, these people don't hunt. So maybe by the time the good hunting comes, they've quit coming to the cabin. Like things have quieted down. The first thing that jumped out at me here right now with him describing this, I'd get down there right now and plant a food plot within close proximity of that cabin. And get that planted for later this year, especially if he's 
got cameras out and knows he's got some decent deer in that area. Yeah. Get that started now. There's right now is the time this stuff should be getting planted. And and in Kentucky, you got plenty of time to get that germinated and get that going. Because you know what? Just like when a team shows up and you're in a church softball league and they divvy up the teams and you're there to play with what you got. Yeah. It's kind of what he's got. Yeah. That's I would right. turn that cabin into my barn. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you plant a food plot around that, if those people would let you do that somewhere, I don't know if the guy's bow hunting, I don't know yeah. if he's gun hunting or both. If it's a two-story cabin, one story, they're used to that being there. Yeah. And when there's no signs of being somebody around there, if you've got something planted around there for them, they'll come. They'll, they'll come. come out. Sneak down in there, open that window, sit back, man. I'm I've done stuff like I've hunted out of old barns and yeah. Oh, yeah. dilapidated things, hog houses yeah. before. They've come a natural thing there that you could utilize. Yeah. Mark's got his reconics. He was we just put this up on social media. He's got a reconics camera inside this old barn on his place, and because he had seen inside the barn, like it looked like there had been sign in there. And sure enough, he's got buck after buck doe, everything just coming through that. Like it's no big deal. They mm-hmm. walk through there and just mm-hmm. pass on by. So I mean, they do. They acclimate themselves to their surroundings right? i shot a deer one time under a bridge wow they were coming <laughs> to a place and there was like some roads and stuff and it just everything fell the right way in some cliffs and it's just sandy little almost dry creek run through there and them deer would come and it was a pinch point funnel yeah. and they go right under that bridge walk right on by it stand right as they come under the bridge here they come and it was down in west texas and wow absolutely used the pinch point under yeah. a bridge yeah yeah it's using your surroundings to the best of your ability right yeah absolutely uh i tell you Something this guy could do here, when you got to deal with what you got there, if he's got a tree stand around there somewhere, I'd go down there right now and I'd build me a dummy. I'd put a human dummy up in a tree stand. It sits there at the edge of that plot all the time, and this works. Mark and Dad have done this, believe it or not, years and put, ago. And put orange on it. Yeah. Because then your trespassers that are looking down and saying, hey, they, they see a dang guy in orange sitting there. You can do that even in gun season, man. If you got place you ain't going to get to, put your mannequin up there with your orange on yeah. and, and a BB gun or something, yeah. you know. That's but, good but anyway, idea. those deer get used to seeing that black lump in that tree and stuff there, and then one day you replace it with yourself. Those are just little tricks, man, that, that can work your advantage if you utilize and play the game, especially a little thing like this. You know, he talks about this being 140 acres. It's long and skinny. Your hunting's only going to be as good as the surrounding properties mm-hmm. around there. Uh, you know, we don't, me and you do not know what is surrounded. Is it just great big ridges and timbers or any other yeah. uh, acreages around there people are managing for deer or whatever? But if this is the only place I got to hunt, I would go down there. I would ask this ant landowner what I got to do to maybe, you know, plant some of your meadow and things that will help me later yeah. in the season. So just it's just about making the property better making it a, something that the deer are going to gravitate to toward towards and right? also this pinch point he says is where the deer crossing there anyway i can guarantee you with that cabin sitting there and even if the people are there that during the rut if that's mm-hmm. a natural crossing area if that's a place where the deer are going to go from here to there and coming through there when they're doing the rut thing i'd still be sitting it yeah. with high anticipation because how many times you ever been sitting at your old house or something? You look out in bucks or trailing does right in the yard or yeah, something. Yeah. I, 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 during the peak of the rut, I'd still sit there, even if the people were in the cabin having breakfast. Yeah, it's not going to change with deer doing. They're still going to come through there, yeah. especially if a hot doe bus out across there could still be happening. So, uh, but all in all, this this sounds like a a pretty hard proposal here. Yeah, to be honest with the guy, you know, he might kill Boone and Crockett there too. Yeah. I've seen funnier things happen. Yeah. 
and especially with big deer unpredictable if he has big deer there and that's the, other, the biggest thing i think that's the caveat to any conversation <clears throat> you're only as good as your hunting spot right you here's know? what i want to say to people and i'll compare this to like me to you guys you guys been blessed and your, your dad and Terry have some sizable acreage that they heavily manage for deer. I don't personally have that. Mm-hmm. I hunt with some outfitters. I do most of my on my own hunting. And even the places I get permission to go, I try and get in there and plant food plots for myself where I put them and stuff. But I don't most of the time have the luxury of having five- and six-year-old bucks yeah. in multiples plethora. Yeah. Uh, and I shoot some three-and-a-half-year-old deer because... That's all I got. Yeah. And it's all I'm ever going to have. Yeah. And for all you guys out there that you see the Drury's and different people and us sometimes shoot some giant free-ranging deer, you can only kill them if they live there. Yeah. And hunting is supposed to be fun for everybody. Yeah, there's some of us that would like to shoot bigger bucks and it makes better TV. But for the masses of people, a 125-inch deer is a trophy. And it is a great deer. That makes the Pope and Young record book. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot of people these days come up to me and are like, uh, oh, 125, 130. I'm like, man, that would be a great year to somebody. Absolutely. Oh, I wish I hadn't shot him in another year. Well, you made that decision. And I would never hold it against anybody to shoot whatever they want if it's on their property and whoever told you not to. Now, Mark always says that the spirit moves you. Right. And but if you're hunting a property like say Mark Drury's and you're one of his guests and his rules are this, yeah. you know that going in. Yep. And if your guy wants to come up and shoot a button buck, well Mark probably ain't gonna invite you. <laughs> you, you won't get but, that invite but, back. But to the other guys out there that they say, Yeah, well, it ain't like them guys, they got their own farm and they shit or suit <laughs> sit in their shooting house, excuse me. <laughs> sit in their shooting Hopefully house. And they don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't do that in there because <laughs> You know, then your cameraman or your friends won't be so sit in your shooting. There's too many S's. Yeah, yeah. But here's the deal, guys. If you were a person that can own your own ground and manicure it, you would. Yeah, yeah. So don't begrudge the people that have been blessed in their life and worked hard that they own something and can manage and have bigger bucks. They're going to shoot them because you want to watch them. Well, they didn't start out that way either. I mean, they've But for you guys, where you hunt, here's what I think you should do. Yes, every now and then a giant buck gets killed on public property or in an area where nobody thought one of those would come from. You know, most of the biggest deer in America every year are killed by novice hunters. It's not people that is like after them. Yeah. It's like people that never seen a deer before came by. The guy was over there behind the tree going to the bathroom, having a smoke, and he looked up and here this deer was. Now I say, how hard can it be? <laughs> and, and, and things oh, yeah. <laughs> and on the big, the big mega bucks so many times that's who they're killed by yeah somebody never expecting it never was happy with shooting any deer yeah and it's the guys that's really hard and and trying to get them that that never do but i want to tell the viewers out there hunt what you have expectations to hunt yeah if you're hunting a place that you've never seen a deer over 130 and you can't find him on your trail camera He's not there. Now, I'm not saying that at any time yeah. a deer from another area gets pressured, pushed, drawn, just all of a sudden shows up. Yeah. You know, we've had seen a deer before, and we got cameras out all fall and stuff that we'd never seen before. Yeah. Uh, that he came from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, nobody just drove up in a truck and kicked him out. Yeah. So it can happen. <laughs> at any time, the magic of hunting can happen mm-hmm. to anybody. But if you 
if you do your surveillance on your properties and things, whether you use Reconyx, Cuddyback cameras, yeah. or whoever, you can figure out, almost get to know all the deer, local deer you have on a property. And if you're a person who wants to hunt deer for fun, shoot whatever deer you want, or pick out the biggest buck that you want to shoot and do the best the you can on what you have to work with. Yeah, or the biggest dough if you're wanting the meat or whatever. Absolutely, you know? and be happy with yeah. it. One of the things, and Mark, to your point on the cameras, the first thing that he always says when somebody says, well, I got this new property, what should I do? He, he always says the exact same thing. I'd get as many cameras as I possibly could on that property, and I would take some surveillance of the area and get the, the MRI, the most recent information, Absolutely. and make a plan from there. Because, I mean, by and large, with the technology today, you're going to find what you got on that property if you have enough cameras out. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you get out earlier in the year, you'll get pictures of bucks to know that at least they've lived their part of the year. Yeah. They might disappear on you. You find them yeah. back later. But usually early in the year, you can get a real good read on everything yeah. that's that's in your area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the change, you know, after they shed their velvet, and a lot of times a buck will just stand in front of a camera and pose like mm -hmm. crazy in velvet. You'll never see and then it. afterwards, <laughs> you know, I've seen them where they come walking up. They know that camera's there, and they'll walk around. They're in the area still, but they won't walk in front of it yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah, think about that. I mean, say this guy was 140 acres, Mark. What yeah, was this? 140. 140 acres. You could have all the cameras you want out, but say he just skirted the camera and walked behind it instead of in front of it. I mean, there is a little bit of luck. You got to be smart in where you're putting your cameras out. You got to, you know, where it's legal in the summertime, especially if you can put any attractants out, corn out, a supplement, any of that type Absolutely. of stuff. That's going to be your number one key to find out what you got there Absolutely. in the summertime, to your point before the season, before they shed their velvet. And then throughout the season, you know, changing to scrape trees. When, when oh. known areas, pinch points, funnels, known areas that you know, even though you don't have an attractant out, that yeah. they're going to be passing through there. That's the key. Like uh, these days, you can't even put salt or mineral of any kind in the state of Illinois. Yeah. And those type things help dramatically in getting pictures of deer. So since you cannot do anything like that in the state of Illinois anymore, the next best thing is a water hole yep. or a scrape. Once you see the first scrape show up in September, I've even seen them the last few days of August. I was just at the lease and I had a gigantic scrape on this known area that they walk through. And I, I said to Aaron, I yeah. was like, did you see that? He's like, that's not a scrape. And we stopped oh, yeah. and we went back. I'm like, dude, that, you know, there's paw marks yeah. all over. I'm yeah. like, that's a scrape. He yeah. thought it was like an anthill or, or yeah. something at first. Yeah. And it was gigantic. I could, that was, yeah. you know, August 21st. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. You, know? you, you can start seeing them and you know, their, their antlers are starting to harden up mm -hmm. and they're, they're starting to feel a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and normally that'll happen under a perennial scrape area where they're always going to do it. That's they're still, they're still scent left on the branch over and in the ground from the years before. And that's the thing about it. One of the scrapes like that, that doesn't belong to one deer. Yeah, it's, it's Every deer it's in the area comes by is going to stop in and see it. So you get a camera on a scrape. Yeah. And here's the thing. Don't put it. Here's the scrape and here's these licking bands tree. Put it right here. You know, get it away and get it as high as you can out of a deer's view and angle down and get the picture. Interesting. The deer are that. getting more smarter, I believe, mm -hmm. about cameras. Yeah. And even if you use rubber gloves and stuff, you leave some scent on them. And sure. they see it's a different. How many times you got a camera out and you got deer's nose up there, you know, smelling it, <laughs> yeah. looking at it. They, it. Even if you got it scent free, they yeah. they notice it's something different. But your your pictures, especially on the smart deer, if you get it up seven eight feet, sometimes I take like a a, a tree stand stick, 
Yeah. I come down and I strap it around the tree so I can get up just like about as high as those antlers. I put the yeah. thing up angling down and they just keep coming then. They don't even pay any attention to it up that high. Side effect, you can catch trespassers that way. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes those are better to bag, better to bag than deer. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I want to make one point kind of going back to the original question and kind of put a silver lining on his situation here a little bit because we kind of talked about how, oh, this can be rough. You know, this is kind of tough you've got this cabin right there in a good spot in the property but a lot of people myself included who hunts you know almost all on just a by permission basis a lot of us hunt properties and we have to share them with other random people people that we don't even hunt with just other people that have permission and that situation where you have a couple other hunters on a property i personally think is a lot more difficult to deal with than a situation like this where you have a property that hasn't been hunted before and you do have people on it but they're not hunting i think there's a really big difference and i really believe that deer can tell the difference between regular human activity and hunting activity and so i think his situation isn't that bad because this is a property that no one else is hunting so if he just starts taking advantage of how the deer will react to the regular cabin behavior I think yep. he can put himself in a good position. I mean, you know, take for example, they get used to people driving around maybe the edges of the field in their truck, maybe. So yep. use that to his advantage. Use a truck to check his trail cameras or to have someone drop him off at or something because they're used to that kind of activity. I think there's a lot of ways you can do that. I've got a buddy who knew that there's this spot like 30 yards behind a house and the people never go to this section of the house. They always stay up in the front and the side yard, but they never go right behind. 30 yards back, there's a little ditch. And because the deer are used to regular activity at the front of the house but not the back, they're always back there. So he hunts 30 yards behind this person's deck, and he's killed several mature bucks in Michigan where there's tons of hunting pressure, and he's still able to do it while watching people watch TV 35 yards away. Um, so you can definitely do it if you learn to take advantage of it, figure out how the deer react, and just adjust. One of the things that I was wondering, and he doesn't say, or maybe he didn't, I missed it. <clears throat> are they riding their four wheelers through the property? Or are they just staying to like the cabin area? That's because I mean that I do I do think that would make a big difference. I mean if they're if they're at all tipping into the timber, that's 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 no different. If they're on a four wheeler and are there even if they're walking around through there, that's that's no different than hunting pressure. Right, I mean even right. if the deer are used to it. They're not going to tolerate that. That's the one thing Mark and Dad talk about all the time, that they don't tolerate that kind of intrusion into their bedroom. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if they're stick, sticking to the field edges, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Deer just stay in you know, the cover and, and kind of look down and watch them. But mm -hmm. if, they're, if they're driving, if they have passed through the timber and all that stuff, I mean, that's detrimental to what this guy is ultimately trying to do, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you ought to think about on that is – there's so many things that come into play. We could talk about this, you know, till dark today. Is that uh, the pressure from other people around it? How heavy yeah. is that? And that uh, if he was able, in my opinion, to utilize hunting close to that cabin uh, that, that, that they're used to. Sure. And the other, and he's talked about making that a sanctuary. Well, if he could just leave that alone, plant some stuff that view deer and things, whether he's bow hunting or gun hunting. Uh, he could make that work, and as the year goes on, it could even get better with being more pressure all around him and stuff. Yeah. But if I was him, I'd get something planted. I'd stay out of his woods, especially on those steep hillsides like that or down in that bottom. Yeah, man, those pooling winds and 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 you can you know the look at your phone says you got a south yeah. wind today. It don't mean nothing because no, it's that swirling. wind flows like water wherever <laughs> yeah. it's pushed. You, right. you can look at air currents 
in, in terrain like that, just like a creek that's coming down. It's going to hit this bank, it bounces back and comes this way, and yeah. it, it'll, it can play a lot of tricks on you. If I was him, I'd go get a, uh, go to a firework stand, get some of them smoke bombs. I'd go out there right now on whatever prevailing wind see which and go out and light the thing off and just watch it go and it'll hit that hill and go around and you can get a real good idea yeah. and do it way before the season yeah get an idea of what, how the currents flow down in those low spots you know you, you see all your sign in the valleys and stuff like that but they're tough to get down in in, in there yeah and uh, and hunt those because of that I, that's why i like tops of hills and things at any time Especially for morning sets, because once that thermal start up, man, you can get away with up. murder. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and 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 if he's you know hunting in the afternoons, going into the evening when a lot of deer movement happens, you know during the season, you know if he's if he's only got these hillsides. Now, Mark, was it that the meadow was the pinch point was at the bottom of the two hillsides, or was it at the top and it dropped off on the two the two sides? They're down in the bottom, and the ridges rise up on either side. So his evening hunts, I mean, he's more or less stuck to trying to, hopefully, if you plant that food plot, he's stuck to hunting down in the bottom because if he's hunting up top, his thermals are being dropped down as the, as the temperature of the earth cools. It's just pulling those thermals down into that valley. Another reason to have food down there and, and try and utilize it and get in his lowest point and get somewhere where the prevailing wind, however it works, and figure out beforehand. Mm -hmm. If it's from this direction, I know that it's going to go this way. You know, brush in a blind. Yeah. Put up tree stands, hunt kind of high to help that, and be as scent free as possible. Yeah. Play very much, pay a uh, lot of attention to your scent control yeah. from showering up your care of your clothes, wearing uninhibiting products and yep. sprays. They all come into play. It, it, and it's not an end all be all, but they're all little bitty advantages that might give you an extra three seconds when the deer's in front of you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And all they those will little things add up. Case, especially. When you're already hampered by all these things, yeah, you know, you think about a guy that works and he's got some time to hunt. Don't have it all screwed before you even get there. Yeah. Put every advantage into yeah. your favor as you can when dealing with the situation he's got right here. That's a great point. It's yeah. a great point, Sean. I agree, and I think uh, if if I had to sum up everything we've talked about to answer the very core of his question, the core of his question was, "Am I going to be wasting my time hunting here?" Never. I'd say no. I nope. think, you know, based on everything we've said here, there are ways to take advantage of it. There are ways to make the best of the situation. So uh, best of luck. And and hopefully we'll hear a, a successful hunting story here soon from him. Uh, shoot, because we're getting just weeks away from most of us starting to hunt. Yeah, I'd sure like if you guys hear from this man and hear how it turns out for him. One last tip, though. This, this is something that we do on our lease. So on the weekends, more people are out. More people are out and about, and we got a neighbor on our lease that just shoots a pistol all day long on the weekends, just having fun. You know, if you go on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Tuesday when they're not going to go to the cabin, that, that's also a pretty good chance to, to see something that you will not see on the weekend. So that's a tip. I know work, and there's a lot of things that go into that, but I'd say that's one last tip to part with that, that might actually help you tremendously. And beg that guy to let you plant some food there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, put it to them this way. They'll see more wildlife because of yeah. it. If they don't hunt. They probably like seeing things. They like the outdoor yeah. experience, obviously. Yeah. They would benefit from it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And one last thing to your point, Matt. Mornings, too. Because, yeah. you know, the cabin residents probably aren't waking up at the crack of dawn and playing around no. in the woods. 
beer bash. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they're sleeping until one o'clock in the afternoon recovering. So buy them some extra beer and a little liquor to keep them in bed. You know, that way they don't get up till noon. You got it all to yourself. That's right. That's the best tip yet. <laughs> yeah. That should be exactly where we end this thing up. So I'd say thank you, Larry, for joining us. This was great. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've had a blast. Absolutely. And for everyone out there, if you have a question you'd like to send in for us to answer on a future episode, go to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. And you can submit your own voice question for myself, Matt, Larry, Mark Drury, whoever might be with us next time. We'll give it a shot. So thanks, everyone. And Matt, any updates from you? Absolutely. If you're going to check anything out from Drury Outdoors, of course, we're on the Outdoor Channel, Pursuit Network. You can see us just about any day of the week. Uh, But... You can always catch us at any time of the day on social media. So check us out at juryoutdoors.com or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, of course, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Drury Outdoors. And we have DOD TV. We have the cutting room floor from 13. We have all kinds of cool stuff going to be happening live on Facebook this fall. So be sure to like us over there. And, Larry, do you have anything to part hey with? Hey, man, go to uh, sinblockermostwanted.com, outdoorsandheartland.com, or Facebook. And uh, believe it or not, I started twitting. I saw that. I'm like, all right, let's twit. You know what I'm saying? So we're, I'm trying to do a little twitting. And, uh, Please. Um, it's always and, uh, interesting. Twit with me if you would. And, hey, look at this. You got him on here just for eye candy or hey, something. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the teeth on it. He's got a pretty mouth. Look at it. Mark Oh, you're making me blush, Larry. <laughs> all right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Peace.